Tandem Nomads, episode 248. You can absolutely love your children more than your own life and make your own dreams and aspirations a priority too. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Dereghi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. So today we are going to talk about ambitions and how to juggle our big bold goals while having to juggle all the other things in our lives, including being a mom. And that is sometimes that is a tough place to be. And for that reason, I brought to you a wonderful guest that I can't wait to hear her experience in the matter as a coach and as a mom herself. So Camila, thank you so much for being here. And are you ready for this ride? I'm so ready for this ride. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here. And I'm going to mention a few words about Camila. Camila Quintana is a certified expat coach and confident. She's the host of the Empowered Expat Wife podcast and the creator of the portable purpose method. She helps expat partners to overcome feeling disconnected, lost, and without direction so that they can create a life full of meaning and joy wherever they are in the world. Camilla is originally from Vienna, Austria, and she has been an expat for two decades now, and currently she lives in Bilbao, Spain, with her husband and three sons. <laughs> oh, yeah. boys in the house. How are you juggling all of that, talking about <laughs> having all boys in the house? <laughs> I mean, I never get bored, if you ask me. <laughs> my, my oldest son, he's seven, and he's currently in a stage of always saying, I'm, I'm bored, I'm bored, what could I do? And what do you do when you're bored? And I'm like, I don't even know where that is, bored. I don't know that feeling anymore. <laughs> we could maybe learn from these kids, can we? <laughs> um, so Camila, I'd love you to give us a bit more insights of your journey that led you to start your business. And how did you get, first of all, to start this business? It all started the first time I became an expat wife. I had previously lived abroad for studies, for work that was self-initiated. And eight years ago, I got married to my husband. He was in an international career path. And ever since then, I've been following him on, on his foreign assignments. That was the first time it was really difficult because I gave up my job. I was head of marketing. I had a great social life. I had so many things going on. I was thriving where I was. I had to give all of that up to move abroad for him. And all of a sudden I found myself just with nothing. We were living in the outskirts that it was like a this new neighborhood and it wasn't even made for walking. It was just like a sad place to live in. And my husband was working all day. He came back really late, like 10 p.m. I had nothing to do. I had no friends and the people that we did know, they were all working full time. So I was just really, really bored at that time. <laughs> speaking of which, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, speaking of it. This made me unhappy on so many levels. It affected my confidence. It affected my relationship. It affected even my, my connections to others because I didn't feel so confident even approaching people or even talking to my family because it would always end up in this big rant and it was sad and I didn't even want to burden them with, with all my problems and, and unhappiness. And out of this misery, I actually got my hands on a book that really changed my life. It taught me about just looking at things differently and making things work for yourself, no matter what's going on. I read that book twice. And ever since then, 
Uh, it was a book by Tony Robbins. And that's how I started. I first started a different business, actually, that was, uh, you know, hat pieces, uh, fascinators that people wear on weddings, yeah. at least in Europe, in many countries of, of Europe, they do. So I, I took a course to hand stitch or hand sew them and, and then sell them at fairs. At the same time, I was doing my coaching certification, my first one. I just really found my, my sense of fulfillment in, in what I do, which is today and, and it has been for the past four years oh. and it's really helping women to get out of this misery of feeling like they don't have a purpose and their life is just this blank page that has so much potential but they don't know how to make that a reality and finding that for themselves and making their lives much more meaningful and purpose-driven and joyful even though it's across borders. I love that. What a fascinating story. And I love that you had another business before that. You already knew that entrepreneurship would be your solution. It was just about finding the yeah. right thing that really made you happy. But this was such a lovely first business, I guess. What did you learn from that first business that helped you in the current one? Something that I've probably learned is just to really motivate myself. Personally, I really appreciate working for myself. I know that when I was an employee, it was more about also looking at the watch. And I just love being self-employed and being my own boss. And I know that I always give 100% mm -hmm. because it's all for right? me. Right? No choice. <laughs> I'm not doing this for anyone else. Right. So um, but yeah, that's probably the lesson. The importance of motivating ourselves to reach our goals. Right. No one's going to reach them for us. Right. So Camille, I've been following your journey for a long time now. It's been just wonderful to see the positive energy you put out there, how much you motivate our community to believe in themselves, to work on their self-care, their sense of purpose and making themselves a priority. But you also embody that and I've watched you as well go through that for yourself. And one of the things that I remember where I got a bit more in touch with you or talking to you more regularly, it was just before you had given birth to your third baby and right after. And basically what has happened just before you were planning your podcast launch and so that after birth, you could just keep going running. So I was just very impressed with that. And I wonder how realistic is that actually and how did you manage to do that can you run us through your thinking and the planning you've done to be able to not only prepare while you were pregnant and then how much time did you give yourself afterwards to kick off and be full on right now that was exactly a year ago and the the weeks before birth you never know exactly when the baby will decide to come out so the weeks before the birth I had already told all my clients you know I'm going to stop working beginning of November. And I knew that most probably depending a little bit on the child, you know, is it a is it a child that sleeps well and eats well and all of that? Or does it not? And you have no control over that as a mother. So I knew that I would probably have to step away from coaching my clients just because of the different schedule for several months at least. But I didn't want to step back because I got so much out of my job. And, and that's really something that I want to tell all of the listeners that it's so important not to think in absolutes. So if I have to step away from my one-on-one -on -one work, for instance, then I'm just going to put my business on pause, right? No, you can actually shift the focus and do other things that will still contribute to your success and to your business, even though it's not 
your one-on-one -on -one work, your, your service provision, whatever it is that you do. And so I thought, okay, so what is a great way for me to still contribute to my community and to still be in touch with them and inspire them? Because it, it gives me so much also. And uh, I thought about the podcast. I actually had a podcast prior to that with a colleague of mine. So it wasn't something entirely new to me. The time felt ripe to do that. And over the summer months, I was doing planning. Um, I actually loved the planning phase. I, don't, I actually don't even like the word planning. I like the word creation phase because it's such an inspiring Love process. That. And just to really allow yourself to create and to come up with all your big ideas and then execute. I did that. I remember I pre-recorded maybe 15 episodes before going into labor just so that I could have some room for whatever was going to happen with that little baby. Right. 15 episodes. That's like superpower batching. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. So what has happened once you gave birth? How did you manage to then transition? Full disclosure, I will say I do have help. I have a live-in au pair. She doesn't work full time, but she is a great deal of help. Even though like she didn't attend to the little baby, but still like she could take uh, household chores off my shoulders and I could focus on the baby. On the other hand, my husband, he has a very demanding job. So he's really not here to help. Uh, he comes home really late. So there are these two sides to the story. Uh, but I do like to mention that because I think it's really not about comparing our situations. Every situation, every mother, every child is so unique. Right. So I'm just going to share my situation. Also, I will say I was so lucky because this third baby, he has been a blessing. He's so good. He sleeps well. He eats well. He's a little sunshine and he just really let me work. And I know that it, this is not possible with all babies. That's important to say that. Yeah. It's important to say that I was just really lucky like that. And I would have him on my arm while I was typing. I would have him, you know, just sitting next to me. And I just continued. And I, I felt like it was really possible for me to combine both and then meet my older kids when they got home from school as a much more whole woman just after giving birth. I felt like I was just a mom. I was just like a vehicle and I wasn't a woman. And I personally really need to carve out also this space for myself to pursue my own aspirations and my own dreams without neglecting my family, of course. That's so good. And I think the importance of building a support system is critical for sure. Oh, yes. Not everybody can afford it. There are ways as well, like you yeah. mentioned, these au pair yeah. like solutions are also a good way to minimize yeah. some of the expenses. We, we couldn't always afford it either. We just made it a priority. And I think my yeah. husband, knowing that he was traveling a lot, we were on distance for a whole year when the kids were really small. I think it was also his way of saying, okay, I know that my absence needs to be compensated somehow. So we just made it a priority without having that money just lying around and not knowing what to do with it. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you so much for that sharing that. And there is something that I want to tackle in today's episode is this whole... It's interesting that I'm always still hesitating to talk about the word ambition, although I, for example, really align with the word ambition and I find no shame in it. And why do you think that this word of being ambitious mom and having big, bold goals are sometimes a stopper or something that people or moms in particular, but also in general, people sometimes are afraid of like yeah. it feels like it's a source of pressure so how can we handle that like those big goals while not feeling overwhelmed with that pressure I think unfortunately the expectations that society has 
for moms is just insane. And it, I'm pretty certain I speak for every mom if I say that we have a constant feeling that we could do a little more, do a little better. There's always like this, oh, and I should have. And maybe if I had done this differently, then this would be better. Right. So we we are on the under a lot of pressure and we probably don't even notice or don't even think about it. So to acknowledge that this is truly reality. I know from from speaking to so many moms that some feel very pressured into working and it doesn't it doesn't work maybe for everyone at that time. I think what's really important is to get out of this narrative of what is a great mom? What is the good enough mom? What should I do to be good enough as a mom? And just really look within yourself and think about what is it that I feel like I'm here to do? I do believe that we're all here with this unique uh, mission and, and purpose. It's not a coincidence, I said to you before, that we are actually here on this planet Earth as uh, humankind uh, being born at this particular time to this particular set of parents uh, living in the country that you're living in currently. I think that already is all a sign that we are truly here for this bigger mission in life. And now it's just a way of finding how we can manifest that in the world, how we can make that a reality. And it's not so much about you know, whether you are a mom or not, it's more about connecting to that truth and finding ways to make it happen. And I think when we shift the focus on that, then all of a sudden answers and solutions arise. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, you talk a lot about purpose in what you do and the sense of purpose is not always how people express it, but based on my own personal experience many years ago or working with other moms, it's feeling of emptiness, right? When we feel like empty or or lack of clarity on what to do with our lives. In this situation, sometimes it's really hard to think of even being ambitious or having goals because we don't have that clarity. So where do yeah. you draw like the parallel between the notion of embracing our ambitions and, and finding our source of purpose and our mission in a way? Finding our purpose, the way that I define that is just to live your life as the beautiful expression of your most authentic self. And when you do that, then you are so in touch with yourself and you're so aligned that everything you, you do and you touch, it will be an extension of what you're really here to do, to share your unique gifts, that you can do that in a myriad of ways in with your family, you can do that in business, you can do that in your personal life and everywhere in between, right? Um, when it comes to ambition, to tie that together, so two things come to mind. One, we need to have a big why. With the things that I do, I feel like I need to do this. I, I remember uh, the last time we talked, I told you when I have a seminar of one of the courses I'm taking and it's, you know, it's usually happening in, in the States and it may be nighttime for me, then I will set the alarm and get up because the why is so important. The why is so strong that I will find a way to do that. You should maybe share what time is that alarm usually? Oh, yeah. So I, I know summer, it's 2 a.m. in the morning for me, which is, you know, not very considerate of the Europeans, but um, but it's it's so worth it for me to, to be there. And what I always say to my clients as well is, if you can find something that doing that will actually give you more energy than resting 
or sleeping, I believe that's the way to go. I don't want to speak for everyone because, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that rest and sleep aren't important. They are, right? Mm -hmm. But I know that sometimes I've encountered women who need, even after, you know, their eight hours of sleep at night, they need a lot of rest throughout the day. I dare to say, I can imagine that this is often because they lack that big why, not because they're actually tired, unless it is like a a health condition, right? Not because they're actually tired, but they haven't found this thing in their life that energizes them. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that we all have that. It looks different for each and every one of us. So there's no sense in comparing ourselves to what the the woman next door is doing. Mm -hmm. It's, It's about finding that for yourself, having a strong enough reason to do it, so that you will actually make the time and you will find the energy and finding something that will actually give you more energy than resting and doing nothing and watching Netflix and all these things that are actually distracting us from pursuing our path. They're great in small doses. But if you do that excessively, it's probably a sign that you need to find something that gives you more meaning in your life. Those are what we call in coaching red flag behaviors is when Mm. you start seeing yourself doing certain things to escape Sometimes what you don't want to do because you feel too tired. So you're either going to spend time on social media or watch TV or go back to bed too long. Or So where, how can we find that balance between like really embracing our ambition and finding that thing that energizes us versus still making sure that we are mindful of our mental and physical health and, and of our energy and putting our health as a priority? How would you advise to balance those two? Like, being ambitious while also being really mindful about how we do that. I think it all boils down to a really good self-knowledge. Knowing, first of all, what you want in life. When you have that, I think the two will actually go together. So your ambition will meet your your physical and your psychological health. And it will just be this beautiful dance of this is what actually fills me up. This is actually what I'm meant to do. Sometimes it's really about asking better questions. Sometimes we can limit ourselves. And also when it comes to motherhood, right? I've heard many moms say, for instance, well, I don't have the time to do something and to maybe follow my ambitions. A better question that you can ask yourself is, okay, so how could I make more time to actually do follow my ambitions? Another thing that I hear a lot is that they say, well, if if I work now and if I'm successful, it will be at the cost of my family. I won't have time to dedicate to my family. This will actually make my kids suffer. So a different way, and that's what I'm asking myself is, okay, Mm -hmm. how can I make sure that my success is a benefit for the whole family? How can I make sure that it's not at the cost of my children and the attention that I have for them, but that it actually contributes to that. And I noticed that after a day that really filled me up where I was able to do the things I loved and I had some great coaching sessions, I noticed that I'm different with my children. I'm more present. I'm more fulfilled and they notice that too. Mm. So I think our ambition, maybe it's a word that some people are scared of, but actually I think it's something really healthy and human beings are here to grow. Going back to that self-knowledge And knowing what ambition means to you, how far you want to go, that's something that no one else can dictate for you. Right. This is so important to know what we really, truly want. And I love, like, if I want to just highlight a little bit of the things you shared that are really important Nomad Nation I want to insist on, is the first one is to actually identify what are the self-limiting beliefs we might have 
that we might be considering as the barriers to reaching our goals and whatever we want to achieve in life. So like identifying those and writing them down on the first step can really be very helpful. And then the second step is to actually reframe that self-limiting beliefs as you gave a great example saying I don't from I don't have time to what can I do to create and carve out time for this I don't want to be bad mother how can I make sure that I actually run my business in a way that makes me a better mom instead of one doesn't go with the other yeah when we ask better questions we get better answers and yeah. we activate our the creative side of our brain and otherwise it's so easy to, to just get stuck you know, and you only see problems and there's no way you're going to get out of all of that and all those worries. But when you activate this creative side of your brain, you're actually going to come up with creative solutions. And that's what will make you thrive. So what would you recommend for those who, I'm always like cautious with this word and we're talking about it, you and I, before like finding excuses. I do think that like this word can be dangerous sometimes when we say finding excuses, because then it means sometimes we're we might be saying we're not attentive to our own needs, which are important. Mm. However, what I've noticed, for example, in my case, in the weakest times where I feel so tired, where I feel so discouraged or something happens, naturally my brain would go and try to find reasons to justify why I don't want to do something or why I would go and stay in bed longer or just don't want to go and for a walk or not want to treat myself properly with healthy food, etc. So these are some of the mechanisms we go into. So how would you help us here identify what are the excuses we might be finding? Like I'm tired versus how to identify it, but also, you know, what to do about it. Maybe you have some examples you could share. Definitely. I mean, just thinking back to the summer, it's a difficult time for many working moms or entrepreneurial moms because the kids are at home. In our case, it's 11 weeks. So it's a long time. And I know that in the beginning, I, I had made great plans, you know, to just continue um, working. And, and luckily, I, I can, you know, adjust my work. I took care of all of that. And I went into the holidays with the best of intentions to make it all work. I found out that no, it wasn't going to be that easy. And it's just hard. Heart. And when it comes to kids, it doesn't always go the way that you had planned. So what I noticed is that I got frustrated with myself. I felt weak and powerless that leads you into this state where you actually you pity yourself. You know, this is so unfair. Other kids only have six weeks of holiday. Why do my kids, and I love them dearly, but why do mine have 11 weeks? And I started, you know, having these thoughts that felt real to me in the moment, but that didn't get me anywhere. When it comes to these times that we start pitying ourselves, or we're just not feeling at our best, we're feeling pretty down. First of all, they indicate us that something is not the way we would love it to be. If it weren't for these more unpleasant feelings and states, we probably wouldn't even know that we aspire to something else. So actually, we are supposed to even have some gratitude for these low moments because they show us that this is not what we want. The other thing is that moments of feeling low is often a way for us to connect with ourselves. It's a way for us to kind of treat ourselves, to go into this comfort zone. And it may be what we need in that moment to say, I'm going to stay in bed a little longer today. I'm going to have that piece of cake. I'm not going to go to this commitment because I don't feel like it. I feel a little low. You know, we start making life easier for us. And it's a way of connecting with us. Mm -hmm. So these are two reframes for these down times. They do serve their purpose. But the important thing is 
we don't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. We don't want to stay in a state where we feel weak and powerless and we pity ourselves. The, the question is, what can you do to get out of that? You know, as a mom, I did feel like when I became a mom, all of a sudden I wasn't the child that my mom would pamper. Now I was the mom that had to pamper her own kids. And I kind of missed this element of someone mm. taking care of me or having this mother figure to go to. I still have my mom for that, but it changed. Something changed and it doesn't feel the same. I have this responsibility now myself. So maybe there comes a mm -hmm. point for moms, especially where things are tough and they are and they get tough. And we need a little bit more of self-care. But there are probably better ways to do that than staying for a prolonged period of time in this downward spiral, in this place of stuckness and of, of self-pity sometimes. There is a better way to do that. Yeah. So do you have some practical tips or, or advice to be able to pull ourselves from that place where we feel like, It's yeah. just too much right now. To go back to that story of the summer where I noticed like oh, things are not working the way mm -hmm. I was hoping and I started feeling really low. I started doing this little experiment with myself. What does it take to get into a really powerful, positive state of mind again, which is what I long to feel. I am at my best and everyone's at their best when they're in a, in a positive state of mind. So I was really doing this experiment with myself to figure out how I could get myself there. One thing that I find is like the, the base of it all is knowing what you need. That's really step one. Knowing yourself well enough to know what it is that you need in the moment. Not staying with a superficial answer. So the answer may not be, I need to have this piece of cake now because I feel like it. The answer may be, I need to comfort myself right now because I feel a little lonely right now. I feel like everything's on my shoulder and I want to give myself a break. So trying to get to the bottom of what it is that motivates you to do certain things that you do. When you can acknowledge that and when you know what it is that you would need, even if you can't act on it. So maybe your answer would be, I would need some help right now. I really need a break and I need some help. Or I need to even, I need to get away for three days. I need to take a trip. So unfortunately, that trip mm -hmm. has materialized. It may not always be possible to act on it, but just knowing it, it does make a difference. Acknowledging it to yourself. So it's a way of authentic living, which is so important. The better we know ourselves and what we actually need in every moment, even if we can't act on it, but just knowing and acknowledging it, that makes a huge difference for the way that we will then act out whatever it is that we're feeling. Yeah. When it comes to motherhood, self-care is like always right up there, this term. We need to do self-care. And obviously, I agree, self-care is super important. But what I've personally noticed, when I heard the word self-care, I was like, oh my God, another thing I should be doing. More sure. pressure, more, you know, more to-dos. Mm -hmm. So if that is what mm -hmm. it feels like to you, don't let it overwhelm you. It's not ever meant to overwhelm you. It's just anything that will actually make you feel good and energize you. So we need to kind of redefine what self-care may mean to each and everyone individually. For me, sometimes self-care is just taking a shower and listening to my favorite music. And that only requires five minutes of my time. Thanks to Amel, I got the shower speakers that I can really recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Where you can listen to music or hear a podcast in the shower. So that's a good one. Yes. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. And If you, if you know me or if you followed me, you know that I often talk about the micro moments of self-care. It's really not about the time you have available and the, the grandeur of a gesture. You can do something 
in a very limited amount of time, in a matter of a few minutes, that will still make sure that you nurture yourself. Maybe it's sipping your favorite cup of tea or coffee, maybe a walk in nature out of my head and back into my body again, things like that. So it's more about um, redefining self-care for ourselves like that and making it possible. And again, right, asking better questions, not saying, oh my God, I don't have time for self-care, but saying, okay, so how could I make sure that I have a few moments of self-care and I'm really intentional about it? That will give you better, better answers and solutions. This is so, so good, Sinamad Nation. I hope this helps you. And uh, remember to reframe this question. I think this is a key message here to always reframe. What I've noticed with that, especially at the beginning of my journey where I had all these ambitions, I was clear about them, but it was just hard to materialize them on top of all the crap sometimes that happens in life, right? I don't have kids, but things happen. And what I've noticed, I don't know if maybe you could, as a coach, bring a coaching perspective to it. But what I've noticed is that when we get started, sometimes it's hard to snap out of that place. We're not always aware of what is actually happening. For example, sometimes we might feel tired and not motivated. So the automatic thing to do is to go to the phone and scroll through Instagram. And we don't realize that until maybe 20 minutes down the road. So why did did I just spend 20 minutes on Instagram. So these are the small behavioral things that I think at the beginning are hard to actually notice. But the more we do that exercise, the more it actually becomes natural. And that's what I realize right now, the time lapse between the moment where I notice a behavior and I act on it is actually getting shorter compared to before, where it took me much longer to say, oh, Ula, what, what just happened? I just wasted my time doing that or that instead of actually using that time more more properly, either to rest or do something more effectively. I agree. How would you recommend to actually notice those behaviors? I mean, I guess on some level, we, we probably do notice. We just look away, right? And so why do we look away? I guess that's the, the, the right. interesting question would probably be that. Why do we then look away from what we notice is going on? Because most of us know that they're, you know, that they're procrastinating and overeating. And what is actually behind that? So one thing that I would like to go back to is just throwing out there. So let's say, you know, this is a, an entrepreneurial audience. Let's say you started a business and you find yourself constantly procrastinating or just not, uh, you know, not, not getting started and not doing what you know you should be doing. The two things that come to mind. Do you have a strong enough reason to do this? Is this really what you want to do? Or is it maybe just not the right thing for you? Sometimes we beat ourselves up over procrastinating, for instance, and actually the thing that we're supposed to do is just not important enough for us. And no problem, right? Once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. There are so many ideas out there and it's okay to even shift the focus of your business or start something new altogether. If we stay in a, in a state of, I should be doing this and I should be doing that, it's, it's a difficult place to be and it's difficult to, to remain motivated. If it becomes a, I must do this. This is what I'm here for. This is my purpose in life. This is what brings me the most fulfillment I know that. So I must do that. That's a good place to be in. And I think we just need to find that that must in our lives. And then I believe that the the motivation, the energy, the time, it will all magically appear like it does for anything that truly, truly matters for you. If you think about anything Mm. in your life, right? Maybe it was a trip that you took 
And all of a sudden, it was no problem to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning because you wanted to go on that trip. Things like that, right? We all have these experiences in life and we just need to recreate them also in the in the entrepreneurial space. And the second thing that comes to mind, just real quick, is that maybe if you do notice yourself just not really taking action and, and staying stuck, maybe you don't have enough clarity. Maybe it's too overwhelming right now to know what the next steps should be. And that overwhelm clouds your your vision. Getting back to the drawing board and, and creating this big vision and the next steps and being more specific about that, you know, that will help. For sure. I love that. And I like that you emphasize of really understanding that big why. I think this is a big thing that a lot of people being out of the entrepreneurs feel in general, but especially sometimes we kind of lose our big why. And that really is important. I love that you also said that Sometimes it's important, and I think the earlier we do it, the better we'll be, to sometimes just realize, actually, this is not what I, th- I thought I wanted to do this, but actually realize it's not what I want to do. And, uh, and that is important. And it can be so scary because to get to that point where we started something with so much energy and having to start from scratch can feel very scary. So it takes some courage, I have to say, to be in that pay. But that's also mm. part of ambition, right? To to be ambitious about your future and your career and your making yourself a priority is also be willing to ask ourselves the hard questions that we might not want to look at. Yeah. That's for sure. But one thing I wanted to add as well is sometimes we have that big why. We know what we want. We know why we are motivated, what we really want to achieve. But life throws sometimes lemons at us and we can't, we lose energy, we're tired and that affects our motivation. There are some mechanisms that can help remind ourselves. There's a ton of different ways. For instance, I remember when I used to sell door-to-door um, encyclopedias, my managers will ask me to actually put a picture of the big, the thing I wanted to pay myself to reward myself for the good sales, for example, or have a vision board or something that we look at every single day that helps us remind us. When we can't automatically remember what would remind you, moms I've been interviewing would tell me, it's actually my kids themselves who are my big why. I had a mom telling me, I want to create a legacy for my children. When I look at them, that's what keeps me going. For me, sometimes it's a song. When I feel like I'm really tired, don't feel energized, I would just listen to this song. For example, I'm coming out of this girl's is on fire. Something that just reminds me of, what I believe in and will keep me going. Sometimes it's an external element. And also uh, surrounding yourself with inspiring people that just create the kind of the right Right? atmosphere for you to also pursue your inspirations and your creativity and your ideas and your goals. I love that you mentioned that, uh, you know, making your children actually this driving force behind everything you do. I can definitely attest to that. For some reason, the empty nester situation is always in the back of my mind. You cannot depend on your children to, to need you as much as they need you when, when they're small. So having that present is something that, for one, makes me appreciate this time right now much more. Like, okay, everyone into my bed and cuddles and all of that, making that such a priority because I know that it's a matter of time and they will not cuddle with me in bed, thankfully. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also it makes me think about who do I want to be for them? I don't want to be the kind of mom that calls them up several times a day that makes them feel bad for not calling me that you know depends on on them and their attention and their visits and all of that i want to be this mom that 
they think it's just really cool to hang out with. She has so much to say. She's doing things for my for herself. They're not responsible for my joy and well-being. Mm. And I think this is something that it's never too early to start moving towards that. And the legacy that you want to leave behind for your children and, and in the world, the way that you want people to think of you one day and also in retrospect, when one day in a very long time mm. you're gone, yeah. that's a really big, big motivator, I think. That's such a good reminder. I love that. So you had some pillars that you wanted to present to us that could help manage this journey to balancing our ambition with our needs for the family and all of that. So would you like to share some of those? The first is the connection to yourself. What I notice when, when stuff happens, it takes me much less time to get back up again, to get back to a, a more positive or a more stable uh, state of mind. So this inner work, probably the best investment that you can do in your life mm. to get to better answers as well and to better solutions. Another thing that I think is especially relevant for the expat community is we tend to define success and ambition and professional goals in a very traditional and linear way. And a lot of uh, expat partners that I speak to, they feel like I've done different things. In this one place, I was home with the kids. In the next place, I actually managed to get a job and it was really great. But then in the third place we went to, I didn't even have a work permit. And then I did some charity work. So I've done, you know, a whole bunch of different things, but nothing I could put on a CV. That's where we're definitely wrong. If we have a long-term vision of what our life should look like, if we have an idea of what our authentic self is here to bring to the table, these unique gifts that we want to and need to and must share with the world, we can find so many different ways to be ambitious, but not in the traditional linear way of, I work a nine to five and I make this and that much money. For instance, I, I recently worked with a, with a client who had an amazing business idea and she wanted to do this inner process to, to come up with more details about her business and then eventually she wanted to start it. What happened is that she also realized in the process that right now she just could not. She didn't have the support system in place. She had small children. She was back at home homeschooling them because of Corona. It was a really difficult period of time. What I helped her do is to make peace with the fact, but not put her ambition on hold. Just find a different outlet. And that's available to all of us. In her case, it was something creative. What we discussed was that she was going to use these creative gifts that one day she'll do her business on that. And in the meantime, she will use them at home. She is helping out at the, at the school that her kids go to. She's doing the decorations for different events. She's uh, organizing, I know, some in her private life. You could say that she is collecting portfolio items that will help her eventually start that business that she really wants to start. So ambition is a really fluid term. You can have ambition, even if right now you're not working, you're not, you don't have a job, you don't have a business yet, you can still do the pre-work and let your ambition flow and it will eventually lead to that. I love that. Like really making sure to be realistic with what we can and can't do, but it doesn't mean giving up on the ambition. You can plant the seeds for the future when the time is ripe. Yeah. Correct. Right, yeah, I will show. I will link to the show notes of this episode, an episode I did with a mom who actually, very similarly, could knew that she had to give birth and she was not ready yet to launch. But during the pregnancy, she had prepared everything so that when she's ready, then everything's already set up. 
Yeah, you can do networking exactly. in the meantime. You can partner up. You can learn. You can take courses. There are so many things that you can do, but still follow your own path. Right. I would like to quickly, before we end, talk a little bit about the investment. I know that you're one of the things I loved about you was that ambitions, mindful ambition that you put out there into your business. One of them, when we discussed it, was also investing heavily in the support, not only support system, but also in coaches and increasing your own expertise in, in coaching as well as in business and, and all of these things. So how can we find that courage to be able to make such big investments to match the level of our goals and, and ambition? I guess the first time we do it, it's probably really scary and uh, you may not know what you're getting yourself into. I've done several investments, so now my <laughs> my threshold is, is quite low <laughs> to continue doing that. I do believe we know that from, let's say, the gym. If you don't have to pay for it, you may end up not going. And I also noticed that with the, the very first clients that I worked with more for, for like practice reasons and because I needed a, a certain amount, uh, a certain amount of coaching hours for my certification. And I would charge them like nothing basically. Right. And it was interesting. It was actually a frustrating experience because I would find out that they would not do the homework. Sometimes they would forget their session. They did not invest the money. And as a consequence, they did not invest the time and energy into it. Mm. I do believe that the more we invest, the more we will personally make sure that we get our investments worth. Mm. So while I do believe it's really important to vet who you invest in, whatever it is that will help you on your journey. It's really important to do your research and make sure that this seems to be a good investment. But then knowing that when you lay down that money, you're showing up for yourself. For yourself. Yep. Yeah. I know that for my kids, the more invested, the more invested I was in my goals and ambition because investment is what keeps me accountable on top of making the right choices of programs or whatever I needed to be able to reach yeah. those goals. Before we end today, I would love for you to tell us what's next for you. Uh, currently launching actually my program, which is called the Portable Purpose Plan. Yeah. I'm really proud of it. it it's basically a, a little bit of what I've discussed here, right? It, it takes you through three phases to ensure this transformation of living a, a really authentic and connected life, wherever you are in the world, of figuring out what your portable sense of purpose is. I have this five-step process that I take my clients through where we'll go from different angles and make sure that this is something that you can personally hold on to. And this is still a step before you actually say, okay, so now I'm going to take this and start a business, find a job, do whatever project. That's actually the step before. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that it's absolutely portable because this is what's true to you, no matter what, no matter where you are, no matter what life stage you're in. And then the third step is to start implementing this in your life. We are all here with this purpose and we all need a purpose. And to tie this back into the motherhood, it's not in contradiction to being a mom. I know what it's like and it's not a contradiction. You can absolutely love your children more than your own life mm. and still make your own aspirations and goals a priority. Amen to that. That's definitely the big message we want to share today. So thank you so much, Camilla. And where's the best place to find you? Head over to my website, which is www.camillaquintana.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at coach.camillaquintana. Wonderful. No, my nation, I will put all the information about Camilla in the show notes of this episode. I hope that you found lots of inspiration 
to go for your dreams, go for your big bold goals and make it work for you. Do it in the way that works for you. So I look forward to reaching you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn all your challenges into great opportunities.